Welcome to this week's episode of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. In today's episode, I chat with paediatric physiotherapist Nicole Pates all about motor development. In particular, we look at baby's first two years, that time where they're changing so rapidly and there's such a big focus on milestones. It can be a time that's really challenging for parents because babies learn skills at different rates and when you see your own child not getting something as quickly as another, you can question whether something's actually wrong. I know I did this with Rupert and crawling. So today we talk through all those concerns. We talk about what timeframes are normal for physical development of skills like rolling, sitting up, crawling and walking. And Nicole shares what to do if you're concerned. We also look at what the role of the parent is in their child's physical development with a focus on fun things like sensory play. If you like today's episode, please let me know. I'd love if you can write a positive review and rating for Mum Will Know in whatever app you use and connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Mum Will Know. If you want to hear more from Nicole and see some of the inspiration she shares on Instagram, I will share links to her website and Instagram handles in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Just to start us off, would you mind giving us a little bit of an overview of who you are, who's in your family and what you do for work? Sure. So my name's Nicole Pates and I am a mum who is also a paediatric physio and I have a gorgeous little boy called Will who is nearly five and a delightful little girl, Claire, who is, she must be 14 months now. So they're my children. And then I have my lovely fur baby, Roger, who has been with us. He's a golden retriever. He's been with us for nine years. And I think he he was probably a little bit put out when he got siblings. Um, so that was a tricky time for him. And then my husband, Ben, who, um, who lives with us as well. And yeah, so that's my little family unit. And yeah, I'm a paediatric physio and I completed my master's in paediatric physio um, in 2017 and um, have been working in paediatrics for over 10 years now. Um, I really love working with babies and I really love working all the way through up to teenagers. So it's good fun. There's lots of variety. I work at Western Kids Health. Actually, I'm the managing director of Western Kids Health. That was my little dream, my second child in between Claire and Will. Um, but um, we now have lots of people working at Western Kids Health, physios, OTs and speeches. So, yeah, it's good fun. I love what I do. Awesome. Very lucky. Yeah. yeah. Today we're kind of going to focus on the dreaded milestones that we can often get a bit um, hung up on as parents. Uh, It can be a touchy, anxiety-provoking subject for a lot of us. Often we, I think, find ourselves comparing our child's abilities to others. And then if there's something different, we either question if something's wrong with our child or if we've actually done something wrong in our parenting abilities. 
So I'm hoping today you'll be able to educate us on a few truths around kind of the baby child development, what's normal, so that we don't get fixated on the comparison game. Mm-hmm. Maybe what we'll do is we'll focus on the first year or two because that's a time of crazy change where literally week by week you can feel like your baby learns a new skill. What milestones should we expect to see our babies reach in this kind of first year or two? So I'm going to focus on the physical milestones, so the yep. motor milestones rather than um, the speech and the um, cognitive, so um, their sort of learning development milestones just because that's my area of expertise. Sure. Um, and, yes, I agree with you. Milestones and the world, word milestones can be really tricky because uh, and we've all been there in mother's group where there's, it's such, there's such a range and every single baby out there is unique. They're an individual and they have their own trajectory of development across all developmental areas. And it's really frustrating that we expect every baby to gain skills at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's variants. So there's always ranges. So as a paediatric physio, I have a range of when I think a skill will start to emerge and appear and when it will be matured by. And there's some beautiful research out there um, by a lady um, with the last name Dara, who she did what um, developed this beautiful research and looked at lots and lots and lots of babies and and came up with these timeframes for development. So and lots of paediatric physios use this assessment to look at babies and their developmental trajectory and make sure that they are progressing in their skills. And um, I'll have to send you through a picture of it, Claire, but it's mm-hmm. but it's basically like it's almost like a a chart that goes up, but not a linear chart. So it's not a straight line. There's like little plateaus and then it goes up again and then it shoots up and then it goes flat again. And it's and what we've found is that babies will, will pretty much follow this same pattern, but some babies might follow it a little bit earlier on in their life and some babies might follow it a little bit later. But what we see is that there are times when babies are learning skills and when they are sort of like cementing those skills and so they might not be gaining new skills at that time, sure. which is why there's always ranges. Um, and that's something that I don't think we get told enough as parents, or we do as therapists, but as parents where we expect our baby to be crawling by eight and a half months, which eight and a half months is only 50% of babies to be crawling. So that's an unrealistic expectation because half of babies have already, inverted commas, failed of meeting that milestone. But it's that's the that's the average, whereas the milestone of crawling, like when we expect sort of 90% of babies to be crawling on hands and knees is by about 13 months. So that's a vast difference in time frame. Mm. <laughs> and puts a lot less pressure on the parents or on the children at least. Definitely. Knowing that it's just by 13 oh, months. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think it's um you know, there is that effect of social media or mothers groups even before social media was really a big thing is that you're seeing other children doing these things and you're thinking, why isn't my baby doing this? So with milestones, I think it's it's really important that we understand the ranges because with mothers' groups and social media, we expect our children to be to be achieving these things at the same time, and that's unrealistic. And so, not only are we setting unrealistic expectations for our children and our babies, but we're putting pressure on ourselves when mm-hmm. really our job as parents and caregivers isn't to make them crawl or make them sit or make them roll. It's to provide an opportunity for your baby to explore the way their body moves and to develop their sense of self 
and and the motivation to move, which because that's that's the take that I take with my therapy and, and, and working with the kids that I see because really not everybody wants to be crawling around investigating everything. Some babies are happy to just sit there for, you know, 20 minutes playing with one one thing and exploring it and every single little possibility about it, whereas other babies look at it, taste it, put it in their mouth, turn it around and they're done and they're on to the next thing. And and that's that's where there's there's lots of things that go into motor development. It's not just it's not just their strength. So lots of people say to me, oh, but, you know, is it because they're not strong enough that they're not crawling? And I, I, I think that's really funny because, no, it's not just about the way their physical attributes, it's about their interests, their confidence level in the way they move, their personality, the opportunities that they are given to investigate and move and explore movement and their desire to continue to practice or explore. And that, and as well as their genetics and those physical attributes, that all feeds in to how and when they choose to move. Mm. Do you think, um, you may not have an answer to this, but do you think there's some truth in the like idea that some kids are more um, interested in developing physical or motor development faster than say like speech and things like that? And like for me, I feel like my son is more interested in the speech side of things and so started that type of milestone earlier than, you know, his physical milestones have been on the later side is that like is there truth in that do you think I think that there's definitely truth in that there's personalities of our babies are their own little unique human beings that have personalities and their own interests and that that will drive their exploration Hmm. and you know we can definitely provide opportunities to shape interests but just because my son goes with his dad to footy every weekend doesn't mean he loves the footy. Mm. In fact, he said, I hate football, mum. <laughs> so, you know, you can always provide the opportunity. It doesn't go that right way. But um, in saying that, you know, in that very the first 12 months, first 18 months, first two years, there is so much happening in that brain. The brain doubles in size in the first six months and then doubles again to two. Like they are learning so many different things. It would be crazy to be practicing and learning all of those things at the same time. Yeah. So they they will have to sort of, and you'll see that with rolling. So they'll start rolling over from their tummy to their back and they're like they do it for a few days and then all of a sudden they stop and you're like what but they've started grabbing their feet and they've started you know cooing and and making sounds more and babbling away and you're like well maybe not babbling but like you know making sounds and getting your communicating and you're like but why have they stopped rolling and like what's what's going and they, they 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 can't be doing everything at once and so that's where those little plateaus come in in that mode of development and that's normal to have a little plateau but you would be seeing gaining in other skills or they're practicing different things at the same time and I think it's really it's absolutely amazing watching our little kids and babies learn new things and develop and there's so much delight when you truly get to sit back and and watch that and when you're not focused on oh my god are they crawling why is their leg funny on them they crawl like you know like it's it's hard because we are we're we are conditioned I guess to worry and look for those worrying signs early whereas I think we need to be conditioned to look for the amazingness that happens in child development yeah I think that's such a nice perspective to have you've touched on some of those uh, initial physical milestones like rolling and sitting up and crawling. 
what are the points where we should start to be concerned then? So we don't want just the average where 50% have done this and 50% haven't got to that point yet. But mm. like, when are we actually concerned when our children aren't crawling or rolling or sitting up for those kind of milestones? Yeah, and I think that like that's that's a really important thing to understand. Um, firstly, is that milestone? When we mean milestone, we say that ninety percent of babies are achieving or have have figured out this movement by this time frame, whereas an average is fifty percent. So we'll talk about the average and then um, when to seek advice. Mm-hmm. So for rolling, obviously, there's they, they roll both ways from tummy to back and back to tummy. Most, like for 50% of bubs, will have achieved rolling both ways by about six months. Um, and then what we say is the upper limit. So most babies have achieved that, or 90% of babies, the milestone is around, you know, eight and a half to nine months. But what we would like to say is that if babies aren't showing any signs of rolling, so they're not rolling to the side, they're not showing, you know, they're not reaching over across their body or or pushing off with their leg and arching their back to roll. Like if there's no signs of willingness to roll or looking to explore rolling by about seven months, check in. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So they may not have met the milestone and actually achieved it, but they're showing signs that's getting them on the way to it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if above seven months and they're still laying on their back and not looking to explore their environment, Mm. or they're, they're on their tummy and just still on their tummy um, and not look, not sort of shifting side to side and reaching and, and, and showing those rocking signs. Like if they're sort of just sat there by about, by about seven months, if that's still happening, I would check in because you're either going to get, for all of these, when you check in with your, I would probably check in with a paediatric physio if you have one or a really good PEDS GP, yeah. um, child health nurse as well. But sometimes, um with child health nurse, you just have to pick your timing. Like the drop-in clinic's probably really busy, so making try to make an extra appointment or drop in at a quieter time that you can have a real good chat about things because um, then you can get some really individual tailored advice. And and a paediatric GP will have more knowledge around child development than a GP that doesn't have that paediatric knowledge. So yeah. making sure you're checking in with someone that understands child development. But if you're checking in, will either give you the reassurance that you need for peace of mind. Or it will pick up something that you can work on quickly and then the earlier you pick things up, usually the quicker things change. Mm-hmm. So checking in is never, if you think you need to check in earlier than that, if they're sort of six months and not rolling and you're worried because you're like, well, they're not really moving around much and I'm just not sure, there's no harm in checking in. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Because yep. um, often we worry ourselves when there's nothing or, we, you know, we, it would be, we could check in earlier and, and not be such a, a worry for us. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So that's rolling. So sitting alone, so sitting up. So bubs, um, half of bubs, so 50% of bubs will achieve sitting alone by about six and a half months. But, you know, we really expect that by nine months. So if they're, if they're not showing signs of, of working towards sitting alone, like wobbly sitting and, and propping on their hands forward in sitting by eight months, definitely check in. Mm-hmm. And then crawling, so half of babies will crawl by about eight and a half months. Some will crawl as early as five months, and that's it's a bit scary. Um, and then, um, and then the, that's hands and knees crawling. And then ninety percent of bubs will crawl by about thirteen months. But ch- we do recommend that if bub is really finding it tricky to get on their hands and knees or not not showing that movement or floor mobility, we call it by ten or eleven months, then it's there's 
no harm in checking in then and we'd like you to check in by about 10 or 11 months if they're not showing signs of floor mobility. Um, we could leave it a little bit later, but checking in a little bit earlier just gives us a little bit more of a window if we do need to intervene. Okay. What is the concern for baby if they're not meeting these milestones by that 90%? Like is that that they've got like a disability or it's just that they're like slow kids or like what's the actual concern for them? There can be so many things that contribute to bubs being a little bit behind or a little bit later in their milestone development, that trajectory being just a little bit further across on on our age graph, I guess you could call it. And like for me to list them here, it would be numerous. Obviously, the first one that you mentioned, disability, that's what brings to everybody's mind. And that's something that you want to rule out. And where a good pediatric physio will screen their nervous system, screen their eyes and the way their eyes track, they'll screen their movement, they'll screen their muscles and their joints and we'll get certain a certain picture because, and this is why I say it's really hard on Instagram to give advice because we'll understand birth history, um, risk factors, um, pregnancy history, development, um, anything else that's intervened. But it could be so many different things. For example, you know, it can be anything from something happening at birth and, and so, you know, something is, you know, significant as cerebral palsy mm. through to, you know, not having the opportunity to practice those skills. So for some bubs that are really good sitters but don't really have the motivational desire to get in crawl to crawling like one of the little bubbers I've seen they had these fantastic older siblings that were five and eight that would just bring them all the toys that they wanted so they just point yes and they bring so there's no reason to practice moving because why why do I need yeah. to I just point and they bring me what I want so there's there's such a variance and spectrums that it can be lots and lots of different things some bubs have had um time in hospital so they've had operations or they've been unwell or they've had medical complications, which means that they've, they've had time out and been in hospital or been on, you know, been unwell for a period of time, which might shift that developmental window backwards a little bit. They're, um, you know, for bubs that have been born prem, we always correct their age. So if they're born at 32 weeks, instead of saying they're eight months, we would say they were six months. Oh, that's and we would check their milestones as of six months old, not an eight month old. Yeah. Does that even out when they get older? So we correct their age until the age of two. Two, okay. Sure. And then we and then we go to like birth birthday rather than yeah. um date age. Yeah. So but it's really important because brain development, we look at brain development from forty weeks of term, what happens in the brain. And for lots of our milestones, so this is what like not only does it depend on all those factors I chatted about earlier, but it also um like for crawling to happen you need and rolling as well you need not only physical changes and motivation but you also need the visual systems development to occur so like for crawling that 3d depth perception sure okay so yeah so it's really important for that 3d depth perception so that they can calculate space and distance and understand and so they can reach and then that reaching drives that crawling yeah so it's all connected with the brain as well then yeah yeah which is why like we know when those visual development leaps averagely occur and that's why some people say but my baby why aren't they crawling and I'm like well I can't you know speed up their brain development that just happens Mm. so I cut you off before with like the normal milestones for the kind of first two years and I'm sure a lot of people are very eager to know about walking because 
yeah, it's the biggest one and very exciting. Um, so when are we average expecting babies to walk and milestone 90% expecting babies to walk? Okay. So average, so 50% of babies will walk by 12 months. Okay. And milestone, 90% of babies will walk by 18 months. And we say that if Bub is not showing signs of of wanting to walk independently by 15 months to check in. So, you know, if Bub's not cruising around, pulling to stand, testing their limits by about 15 months, definitely check in. But before that, if uh, by 12 months your baby isn't willing to take weight through their feet, so you're trying to put them, you know, into standing or help them into standing and they're just not keen to have weight through their feet, then check in then. Mm, Okay, that's helpful. I also saw on your Instagram that you had this phrase that was progression versus speed of development and I thought that that really outlined this really clearly, like how it's like you're seeing the signs towards that milestone Mm, and so that can mm. be reassuring versus, you know, it's 13 months and they haven't done this yet. Yeah. Yeah. So less about a checklist and more about uh, what I like to see is that foundational skills that build towards that big, big skill that you see. So the really obvious ones like rolling, crawling, sitting and walking, everyone's like, oh, but as a paediatric physio, like I delight in all the mini milestones, all the foundational skills, like for rolling, grabbing their feet. I think that's one of the cutest, they're grabbing (laughs) their feet smiling at you on their back and um, or reaching when they start to go onto hands and knees and rock and then they start reaching like, oh, it's coming, here comes crawling. So <laughs> um, it's really reassuring but it's and but it also, it just takes that shift in the focus of, oh, my God, what diet is it? Like how long are they? Are they doing it? Yes. More to just that delight and in discovery. Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> it's really, it makes it so much more positive and less about the checklist, like you said. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about how much should we as parents be kind of initiating games or exercises to try and encourage our babies to meet these milestones or do we just let them be babies and they'll just meet a milestone without us doing anything at all? Oh, that's a really tough question, Claire. Um, Coming from a paediatric physio, um, it's a really tough question in that there's all those things that go towards development and there are some babies that you could just leave and they would fly through everything anyway because that's Uh just who they are and how they want to move and they're so focused on moving and, and, and moving as much as they can. Where there are also babies that are very happy not to move and to chill and be observant and and they're both very different characters that will have very different strengths throughout life and we need both of those types of characters in this world to make it an amazing world. I think that we need to take the perspective as parents that it's our job to provide our babies with as much opportunity and variety of experiences in early life because that's the best thing that we can do for brain development and all development really is to to just give them lots of different opportunities for play really um whether that be an exploration of their own body and the way it works whether that be talking whether that be moving whether that be thinking and exploring so that can be, you know, from as much as with your newborn is having them 
you know, giving them different opportunities to experience how their body moves on their back, on their tummy, on their side, the way you pick them up, going outside and looking at the leaves together to, you know, going to meet a friend and having a conversation to listening to the birds. So it's just having different experiences with your child and shifting it, shifting the focus away from I'm doing this to help you meet a milestone to doing this to have an experience with you that's helping you develop your understanding of the world and the, your understanding of you and how you fit in this world as well. So obviously we can provide opportunities for our babies that they might not fully grasp yet or so you know we can give them experiences that they're like they don't know about this this is way too advanced for me (laughs) or we can provide opportunities that are really too under challenging for our our baby and really our baby will let us know what they like and what they don't like through their cues and following our baby's leads to help them discover what they're interested in is is really the key I think and it's hard it's hard to figure out when they can't talk but they've got lots of other ways they can tell us those things sure yeah and I guess that as well like you said it's not with the purpose to meet a milestone it's just to give life experience and you know different experiences to our child and I think that takes the pressure off as well it's not like oh I didn't sit down and do three you know 15 minutes of tummy time today with my child I hate the minutes (laughs) I, I, I like I understand the whole concept of like you know the world health organization and tummy time and physical activity and babies having 30 minute tummy times but it's not about that like the whole point of tummy time in the beginning when SIDS was SIDS Back to Sleep campaign was introduced was to help prevent plagio carefully and to give babies the experience of a different position than being on their back because they started seeing babies become a little bit more delayed in their motor development because they weren't having that opportunity anymore because everyone was freaked out and putting their kids on their back all the time because for sleep but also for play. So Tummy Time came in as a campaign to help parents or help professionals give parents advice around different positions during awake time to aid development and prevent flatheads. Okay. But does that does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. tummy that's where tummy time, that's where came, tummy from. time came from. Yeah. So but really we're not counting the minutes. We're just trying to give baby different experiences in different positions. You can do that in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and if your baby loves tummy time, that's fine. Count the minutes because they'll do fantastically. But if your baby hates tummy time, then it's just a struggle and it's so stressful. And there, But there are so many other things you can do that will help strengthen and, and aid development that aren't, aren't, like, aren't just tummy time. Yeah, and I think that's that's what's like taking the pressure off as well. Like it's not this mm. formal exercise that we're no. forcing on our child. It's just like pick up your child in a different way, or carry them in a different way, mm-hmm. or yeah, you know, roll them off the change mat in a different way, or whatever like, kind of thing. It's like forcing everybody to go to the gym and do squats. Mm. Everybody, yeah. you know, some people will love that, and other people are like, oh my god, could I just do five? I'm not doing anymore. Yeah. But I'll climb those stairs and I'll take my dog for a walk. And I'll also get an on off the floor with my child, but I really don't want to go to the gym and do squats. Yeah, yeah, okay. So all of those things will strengthen your legs, but there's the one thing that, yeah, that's kind of relating it to stuff that we do. Sure, yeah. But I went off on a tangent there. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, oh, yeah, so what I wanted to say was, the the thing is with Instagram these days is you see all these really lovely activities that I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try that with my baby. But Mm. what you don't realise is that they're targeted towards babies that are older or babies that are younger and your baby just has no interest at all. Or you're like, oh, what is the point of this activity that I'm setting up? So my Instagram is more about like purposeful play 
in that it's it, it's play with a purpose, but you don't really need to think about it as a parent. Like I've done that thinking for you. I'm like, here you go. Here's this play idea. These are the things that your child will benefit from, like, you know, in their systems, but you don't need to know that. You just focus on playing and connecting with your child with this activity. So it's kind of taking that stress away and you having to think about it. And you, and you might go, oh, I really like that one. I don't like that one. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Or, I'm going to do that. But um, and that's I guess has parents how we shape our child's interests, but through our own interests as well. Um, But then you might find that your baby doesn't love all the ones you love, and they love the other ones. Yeah. So um, yeah, following that lead too. But that's where that purposeful play term, I guess, comes in. Mm -hmm. In that um, it's play, but all play has a purpose. So it's. It's a bit of a redundant term, I guess. Now that you're making me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying that, like, the for your Instagram account, what you're sharing is you've thought about ways that this can be yeah. purposeful in motor development, but you don't actually yeah. have to, like, force those thoughts and, no. you know, reasoning onto other parents. It's just like, hey, have fun with your kid in this way. They love it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they might not love it. And you Got might you. try something and you might be like, oh, my God, this is a flop. Yeah. Like, this is a total fail. I think... I've tried my um miss my little miss claire's a little bit sensory like oh no thanks and so like if we're going to do a sensory activity i literally have to leave it out for five days and she has to be in the right mood because she's just like for some activities you might find that it's a flop and you know it doesn't work that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be a flop it might just mean that it's not the right mood for both of you mm. it's not they've not hit the right stage of development or they're actually keen on exploring something else today and not like they, they're just not into that anymore. Like a couple of days ago, you're like, oh, yeah, they love posting. I'm putting this in this and this and this. And then you set up a posting activity and all they want to do is rip the Tupperware lids off the Tupperware containers out of the drawer. Yeah. So, you know, each, each of those things. And by purposeful play, what I, you know, I, I share is like the Tupperware lids off the Tupperware containers is fab. Can you get a really deep box and put them in so your baby has to reach over onto their tiptoes and that will help strengthen their legs or then, you know, or put some down low so they have to squat as well. And so it's just about set up so that your baby has opportunity to use different developmental systems or different muscles. Um, And I think that's where where I'm really focused is giving bubs a variety in experience because, I guess the society that we live in today is that um, everything is kind of like sitting. So like what we call in physio terms is like uni planar, like in one plane, like okay. just sitting or standing. So we're always sort of upright. And so a lot of our activities and the purposeful play ideas involve like up and down, turning around, you know, rotating, like doing all different things to create, give baby experiences in lots of different planes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And you Mm. touched on this, um, you mentioned sensory play, and I feel like that's a bit of a buzzword, but what is sensory play and why is it important? I've thought about this now about the purposeful play. Sensory play is also redundant because we use all of our senses when we're playing. (laughs) Um, But I guess it's a buzz term to try to give barbers different sensory experiences. So it might be through touch. It might be uh, the common one is touch. So a lot of the stuff you see on Instagram or um, Pinterest is touch. So like the dyed spaghetti or the rice or the, um, you know, the water beads for older kids or yeah. different textures. So, you know, like putting um, different textures or offering baby different textures to play with. But, you know, for a newborn, that can be as simple as, putting them on your skin to skin 
putting them on like you know the lovely lambskin rug or having a bath like that's three really amazing sensory play ideas for a newborn that are not like don't involve a lot of setup but they can all sensory play can also be um visual so like you know newborns contrast cards for older bubs it might be watching something moving like a fish tank or watching you walk around the room or a mobile that turns around or um doesn't even turn around it might just have different heights of the things that are on the mobile and so it's them practicing using their visual system by focusing and changing where their vision is and refocusing and for bub you know a little bit older around that nine month mark it might be watching that ball watching that ball roll along the floor and then watching a ball bounce like that's a really cool visual skill a skill that doesn't happen earlier on and so like but the sensory play buzzword I guess has come about to set up activities that are really like are they they're focused on um getting your sensory system revved up so and, and using your sensory system but a lot of it is touch but it can be hearing it can be and so you know like the the shakers and the rattles and music music is sensory play but again now I think about it most play is has a sensory component um so often when you think about these things hard enough guys they're they're actually things you're already doing which <laughs> um, is encouraging but, yes it is they're just usually hashtags on instagram that's what I'm joking. <laughs> um, but, um, but no, but you're usually doing so many of the things. And I think that's the thing. We put pressure on ourselves as parents to have a beautiful Instagram mm. feed in our house. But if you look carefully at my photos, you'll see dust on the TV cabinet <laughs> and um, mess around the house and washing that needs to be done or on socks that my golden retriever brings into the room at the time. But, yeah, it's it's tricky. But I think knowing the I guess definitions of those terms you should feel a lot better about the play that you're doing with your child because any play is amazing and really the best thing to play with is you mm-hmm. they love you you're their best toy up and like even probably about until about that 12 month mark and then they discover other people mm-hmm. <laughs> as well but you always be their favorite toy and person to play with yeah well, that's great what about actual physical toys and things? Like as a physio, do you have any products that you are super pro and feel like they're really awesome for motor development or some that are really bad and we shouldn't be buying but somehow we keep buying them? Like a bouncer's good, a, a walker's good, a carrier's good. Are there things that you're like, yes, 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 and definitely no? Oh, Claire, I um have a really big issue with good and bad. Oh, like, okay. Um, just that, like, I feel like it's so black and white. Yeah. And not anything in life is black and white. So I like to use the term helpful and unhelpful. Sure. Because a bouncer during COVID lockdown is really helpful yeah. when you need to be able to do the cooking, go to the toilet, and the dog had just vomited on the floor. Yeah. Your four-year-old is trying to pick up your child. So it's a nice, safe place to put your newborn. Whereas, you know, a bouncer that you you pop your bub in and they spend, you know, four hours in a day, that can be less helpful mm. for development, yeah. almost unhelpful for development. So um, I prefer helpful and unhelpful. Yeah, and each of them what, might have a bit of a spectrum of how you can make yeah. it helpful and how it becomes not helpful. Yeah, definitely. And I think that if you're using using anything where you, what they say, contain, so anything that puts baby into a position that then baby is kind of stuck there, they can't choose to get in and out of. Yeah. 
apart from baby carriers, which we'll talk about in a minute, but any of the toys like jolly jumpers, bouncers, bumbos, the standing activity play centres where you pop them in the middle, all of those things, the things that make them more unhelpful is frequency and time of use. Does that make sense? So the longer that you use it for and the more frequently you use it, that because baby's contained, it gives them less opportunity to explore their own movement and the way that they move and they can only use certain muscles or certain do certain movements while they're in there. So remembering that we want to give bub as much variety as possible to build strong muscles all over their body. So the more time and the more frequently you use these things, that becomes unhelpful. And the other thing that factors into that is age. So for babies that can't yet even sit by themselves, putting them into a standing device such as a jolly jumper or an activity play centre can be unhelpful because they don't have the strength through their core and their spine and their hips to support their joints yet. And that's why like people will give ages in social media and in websites about, oh, you know, seven months for these things. But actually, remember that spectrum. Some bubs aren't yet sitting by seven months. Mm. So I would say mm, it's probably not ideal for those bubs. But these are general statements that people you know, put out to fit in with the averages. Yeah. Um, but I like to think about it more with your baby. Yeah. Um, and, you know, frequently if you're using a jolly jumper a lot, baby is, is sort of in the harness i always think of myself at the shop have you ever tried one of those trampoline things, things at the seen shop? Them, yeah. <laughs> I, I try one it's really hard oh really? it's really tiring <laughs> and after about five or two minutes you're like oh my god like it's kind of fun for the first bit and then the novelty wears off and I you're like it's just like trampolining just now as an adult yeah. it's like it was so fun as a kid and then you go as yeah. an adult and you're like how the heck do people like how do kids jump on here for <laughs> hours kids can do everything all the time um but um like well yeah you're right so if the kids you put baby like an infant in a jolly jumper and they love it yeah. because it's like stimulating to the vestibular system but remember it's also they're only still in that one plane they're upright so you're not actually giving them like all the lovely feedback you want to the vestibular system, you're just kind of giving them the same thing up and down. Mm-hmm. And they're just and one of the muscles that's the most dominant muscles is their calves in in that because they just use their toes. They just bounce around off their toes because that's all they can really do when they're really young. Yeah. Um, it's not like putting a two year old that bends their knees and their hips and the the harnesses are just there to support. It's there. They're they're just loading through their feet and their bones haven't developed yet as well. So all their hips or their feet bones. And so I just think you know like. You know, if your grandma gives you one or your mum and she's super keen for you to use it and use it for 10 or 20 minutes, you know, once or twice when mum's over throughout the week, that's Mm. not a problem. Mm. Like, you know, it probably won't do harm. I can never say black or white, but it probably won't do harm. It's more likely to not do harm. Whereas if you're using it for sort of an hour every day, you know, it may be that, you know, bub might prefer to walk more on their toes because their calves are really strong sure. and that's what they've known. But I can't say that's a cause and effect either because there's just not the research out there for that. Okay. But I don't I don't think you'd ever get that research study approved ethically yeah. either. So <laughs> I've looked, but, um, yeah. But whereas carriers, baby wearing um, is a little bit different because, like, obviously if bubby is asleep or you're using carriers and if you're using it in a hip-healthy position, and then close to you can be it can be there can be some amazing benefits from having a long baby in carrier for a long time if they're if they're correctly positioned. So there's some lovely research around attachment and hip development pros for hip development as well as cons for hip development in early on. So okay. I really love carriers. Okay, 
Well, that's that's nice. You've got one that you're like happy to be like, I love it. I love carriers. Um, The one I don't like and I would say is not as helpful is um, the walkers with the wheels on them that you put baby in the middle. Okay, where it's like a circle around them. Yeah, and they're kind of like in a harness, like a like not a harness, like, like a, a little um, seat almost. Yes, yeah. yes. That's, and is they that kind because of, they're on their tippy toes again? No, um, it's because it's a trip hazard. Oh, okay. So um, there's been actually like they're banned in certain countries because the wheels trip on changes in surfaces or things on the floor and babies hurt their heads. Yeah. I can imagine. Mm. So they've yeah they've been banned in Canada. I think they haven't been banned here, but the physio stance on them is no from a safety perspective. Okay, yeah. Like all the same principles apply that we talked about earlier. But I would, if that, someone asked me outright, I would say no, do not buy that because that is unsafe. Sure. Okay. Hmm. Is there anything else that you think our listeners or parents should be aware of when thinking about physical development in that kind of first two years that we haven't chatted about? um just so much happens and I I think my main message would be if you're not finding it fun or if you're not if you're finding it really stressful or if you're just not sure and you're not sure when to find the right advice or you're not sure how to play or you're not sure just check in with somebody and also somebody that not only knows about child development and is, is is a has studied and they're really good at child development, but um, it fits in with your family values because there are lots of different people in this world and everyone has lots of different approaches and you've got to find an approach that fits with you. So if you do go to see somebody and you just don't feel listened to or you, you know, if it doesn't quite fit, that's okay. Like it doesn't necessarily mean it, it wasn't the right thing. It might just not be the right person mm-hmm. for you. So that would be my biggest suggestion is check in early either get the reassurance you need or the help that you need, the support you need or, yeah, and then and then, and then then that should hopefully make things a little bit less stressful. But if we can reframe motor development to be this amazing discovery and delight for parent and bub rather than a checkbox that for our child health nurse or physio that we need to check off by a certain time, yeah. I think that that might make things more enjoyable for everybody. Friends have shared that like with a second and third child, they've found it so much more enjoyable because mm. it's happened, either it's happened so much more quickly or they've just not even noticed it. They haven't cared or had the time to think about the timing. Yeah. And so it's just been like, wow, that baby's doing that already. And oh my gosh, I didn't do anything, but like it's just been watching its sibling and, you mm. know, blah, blah, blah. And mm. and they find that they haven't been nearly as anxious about steps and meeting certain timings and things like that because they just, I guess, haven't had the time to think about that other child as much. No, um, which can be a positive thing and a, and a negative thing. So some some people I see with second or third bubs and they, like, I just didn't even notice. I didn't even remember how sure. old she was and then I thought about it and they hadn't, she's still not sitting and I was like, oh, man, like I've got to get in and check in because I know it yes. should have happened by now. You know, and sometimes it's just, again, like that story I told you earlier with the lack of opportunity because older siblings were just bringing it's the toys yeah. and they were like oh okay cool we can and you know it's very easy to fix through sometimes it needs a little bit more help um but there is a beautiful study out of melbourne that looked at babies and um influences and associations with motor development not cause and effect but influences and they did say that time around older kids it doesn't have to be siblings but time around older kids that have uh, that have already moving in and using skills and getting outdoors and having movement outdoors with baby those are two things that are positively associated with being sort of um, 
a little bit earlier in that age trajectory in your motor development. Yeah, and I feel like you can anecdotally see that in the whole second sibling starting to crawl at five or or six or seven months or something because they're chasing after the older sibling or whatever. Yeah, that's really (laughs) interesting. My two children did everything at exactly the same time. Ah, well, there you go. I know, and I had two very different approaches. So, you know, oh. first time mum, I still played, but we just we just did a lot of outdoor play with Boo and a lot of free movement, whereas my son um, likes to do lots of things. I really made an effort to do some play with Miss Claire and, you know, do some different things because I was like, oh, I'm trying to do some fine motor stuff, but she hates it. She hates it. Oh. <laughs> so she just wants to be like her brother and run around. So that's what she do. Um, so I tried to influence it, but it made no difference. <laughs> well, you tried. <laughs> I was like, please sit and do this puzzle. No, nothing. <laughs> you are offering the variety and that's what counts. But, um, yeah, well, she'll get to the puzzles. She'll get to the fine yeah. motor stuff. She just will be like exactly. her brother. She'll do it much later. Yeah, focused on the other stuff at the moment. That's okay. Um, I feel like you've covered a lot and it's – mostly been like reassuring which is really lovely like I find or I I'm not I'm my son's at 18 months now and so I'm less stressed about milestones but there was a period where he was only rolling one way and not looking Mm. like he was commando crawling and I was getting stressed because other kids who were born like four months after him were crawling Mm. and so I definitely remember Mm. like a bit of anxiety about it and I googled like exercises to encourage crawling and things like that but um Mm. so I, I feel like today you've reassured me and I hope others as well that um I will say on the rolling one way thing I think that a lot of the babies I see nowadays and even my baby included roll one way because of parental preferences in the way like not just head preference so things that could mean that baby some of the things that mean that baby could roll one way are things like head preferences or tight necks or other things, but one of the things as a parent that we can influence is the way that we pick them up and carry them and set up the environment, their sleeping environment, their changing environment, their play environment. And um, because our houses are getting a little bit smaller and even as parents we have a preferred way of holding our babies. Yeah. And so if your baby is only rolling to one way, just check which way you're holding them and the way you put them down and the way you pick them up and to see if it matches. And if it does, just try doing the other way to start with. That's one thing you can very easily try. Give it a go. Yeah. Yes. That's helpful. Um, I would say if you, if you are feeling a little bit anxious about things and you don't know where to look, because if you do Google, like, why is my baby not commando crawling or why is my baby not crawling? Mm. It's scary. Like some of the things that pop up straight away, is like frightening or like any, and like, I don't like to call them exercises because I think rather than doing something to your baby. So a lot of in the past or a lot of physios, remember when lots of physios do work with children with disabilities or delays and we do put our hands on to help babies discover these movements. But the research is saying not just in um, typically developing children but in children with disabilities, the more we can have our hands off Mm. and get them to do those movements, it's actually better for their learning and their cementing of that motor skill. So, um, like, we want to try and be as much hands-off as possible and that's where I'm passionate about this sort of play set up and the environment set up and purposeful play, I guess, is that um, rather, like, you know, rather than trying to move their knees for them or do something, it's more about that environment set up. But if people are a little bit stressed and unsure where to look, make sure you have a really useful, um, knowledgeable resource. And I, I am pretty knowledgeable sometimes. <laughs> I, I love what I do. Um, and we will, we do have the Baby Play Academy. Yes. 
So the Baby Play Academy is all about play. So play for your baby's stage of development rather than age. And um, it's got lots and lots of play ideas. I think there's 50 to 60 in each each little section. And then other troubleshooting ideas, so like common questions like, oh, you know, if my baby's doing this, what does this mean? Or how can I help them, like, provide an opportunity for this? Like, So we've tried to answer all your common questions there. And um, we have also masterclasses for those major skills. So if Bubba's struggling or finding it hard to get up on their feet and walking, we have, um, like, a 45-minute webinar dedicated to helping you understand the foundational skills and set play environments up. and and crawling and rolling as well great and how do we find that what's the um, website for that and where else can people find you if they want to follow your instagram or kind of follow up with you a bit more so um so yeah for the baby play academy it's www.babyplayacademy.com or for me it's on instagram it's at nicole n-i-c-o-l-e underscore kids physio so you can find me on instagram there or um you can also use at Western Kids Health, which is our company Instagram. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I'll share a link to those websites and Instagram handles with the show notes for this episode. But yeah, Nicole, thank you so much for today. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and your encouragement to us as parents. Yeah, I feel like I've been encouraged and reassured and learned some stuff, which is cool. I've got number two on the way. So I have to rethink through all of this again. So that's so exciting. Yeah. So, but yeah, I really appreciate you chatting with me today. Oh, awesome. Thank you for having me. It's really um, a privilege to be here and share my knowledge. I hope you liked today's episode and have found some encouragement in what Nicole has shared. I know I find it reassuring to know that a lot of physical skills development actually comes out of fairly insignificant and normal interactions and play, things that most of us are probably doing with our kids already. But I also found it helpful to be reminded that kids need a variety of experiences to help their brain develop which makes me excited to offer more to my kids in terms of activities and places to see that aren't the same every day. I'd love to hear what you got out of this conversation. So again, find me at Mum Will Know on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to connect with Nicole, you'll find her details in the show notes. I hope you have a great week and I will catch you next Tuesday for